Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Boy, you guys look good. Yeah. How many of you were here this morning in the, uh, in the class that was before church? If you haven't been going to that, you've really missed some stuff. Uh, Gene and I were gone for a couple of weeks and we came back and, and let me tell you, we're, we've, we've heard some good things in that class because we get together in these little groups and we kind of make each other talk. And sometimes, you know, when we make each other talk, things come out. And that's where healing begins. If you're sitting by yourself all the time and you don't want to talk to anybody, uh, healing sometimes does not take place because you come, you're an island to yourself. And I was an island to myself for years. My mother-in-law will tell you so. She's sitting up here on the front row. And when the Lord got a hold of me is when things begin to change. Uh, those, of, those of you who, who knew me for years, there's some, some people in here that have known me for years, and I didn't really want to have anything to do with people for a long time. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I, didn't want to, I just didn't want to have anything to do with them because, I don't know, y'all are just crazy. And I, you know, I just didn't want to deal with all that. The Lord got a hold of me, and after I went to Bible school, uh, things really changed in my life. And that's when this church was birthed years ago. And those of you who have been here all this time, and there's some of you who have, have seen uh, the change in me. And even though I've been uh, a Christian since I was seven years old, uh, God still changes me every year, every, I don't know, every month. And He's working like that in several of us in here today. But like we said, in, like we were talking about in class this morning, is we have to be willing to change. You have to have a desire to change. And we talked about people, that, about family and, and things like that, that, man, some of the people in our family are just, we just think they're cray-cray. They're never going to change. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. To, they're just crazy. No. They can change, but you cannot change them. I cannot change them. It's God, it's the Holy Spirit that changes them through your prayer and through your love to them. And I was convinced a long time ago that Christians really do not know how to love. And so we're going to go to New Testament this morning, and we're going to see what it is for a believer to really be able to move in other people's life. What does it take for us truly to reach other people? What does it truly take? Let's just talk about that for a minute. All right, bring that up with me. I think it's 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us Because we judged us that if one died for all, then all died. Everybody say, all died. died. Go on. And he died for all that those who live should no longer, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Let's go on. Therefore, from now on, watch this now. 
We regard no one according to the flesh. Boy, that's a hard statement, y'all. We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. That means he's, he's ascended into heaven. He no longer has a flesh body, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, that must not mean the people that act like all things have not become new. Does that mean even those people? Huh? I heard three yeses. What about those people that still act crazy? Behold, all things have become new, even though it doesn't look like it to us, to God... When somebody accepts Christ, all things have become new. So we aren't to judge because somebody doesn't act the way we think they should act. Because God may be working on them and we just don't know it. As a matter of fact, God may be working on you at the same time. Let's go on. Now all things are of God. See, when you're born again... All things are of God. All things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of, reconcili- of reconciliation. Everybody say reconciliation. Amen. Now then, we are, everybody say ambassadors. ambassadors. We are, you are, I am an ambassador to Christ. For Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin. We're talking about Jesus here, right? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become, everybody say righteousness. The righteousness of God in him. If you're born again, guess what you are? I am the righteousness of God in Him. Everybody who is born again in this room, is the, that's how God sees you. Now, yeah, but Mark, you don't know how I acted yesterday. Mark, you don't know all the cuss words I said yesterday. You don't know all the stuff that I've done. You don't know the movie that I watched Thursday. You don't know what I said to my wife on Monday. Well, God knows what you said, but you are still... The righteousness of God in Christ. Now to make you just just sit here and think about that for a minute. There's not one perfect person in this room. Not even me. Gina will tell you so. Now Anthony is pretty darn close. But he's still not. Even though... Anthony is close to being perfect. He's still not. And he's still the righteousness of God 
in Christ. So if you're sitting here now and you know that you're born again and that you're a believer in Christ, you are in right standing with God. No matter how dumb you act, no matter the mistakes that you make as a human being, you are still what God sees you as. I'm not talking about what everybody else sees you as. I'm talking about what God sees you as. Come on, let's let that sink in for a minute. Just for a minute. Do we got any more? We then, that's us. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. And in the day of salvation I have helped you. One more, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, folks, now. Not later, now. Now, when we have that family member that we say, there's nothing ever going to happen, they're never going to go anywhere. Now is the day of salvation. God still has them in His hand. No matter how crazy they act, what they do, God still has them. Because these are the things we go through. What about that family member that causes dissension in the family? I just, you know, I just gave up. And I'm sure God's given up too. God never gives up on you. Because that may have been you. That may be you now. The things that we do, folks, as a human being, we're just, sometimes we're just, we're just nuts. But the thing about it is, is God still loves me. I can't tell you all the mistakes that I made last week. God still loves me. He expects me to grow every year, every day, every month. He expects us to grow, folks. We have the Spirit of God in us, so therefore we should be growing. Should we not? Can I have an amen on that? All right, let's go. This is not very long, so you guys stick with me, okay? Now, Paul had to write this letter. He wrote two letters to the Corinthian church. Corinthians 1, Corinthians 2, right? The first letter he wrote trying to straighten the church out. There was some dissension in the church, and he had to write the first letter. I've never seen dissension in the church. (laughs) Have you? In the 30 years that I've been in ministry, I've never seen dissension in the church. (laughs) Have you? Gina's saying yes. He wrote that letter because of the things going on in church. Then he wrote the second letter because he was trying to pull them out of this negative response they were having to this person. He was trying to show them, guys, it's time to move on because the Corinthian church, those, those churches or that group of churches had some issues. And so he was trying to pull them out of that. And so he's saying, guys, come on. This is how Paul was. Paul was... Paul was a pretty rough guy at times. And he said, guys, we got to keep going. we got to keep going. And he actually had to defend his own ministry in 2 Corinthians. He was actually defending what he was saying to the church. Have you ever seen Kate up here trying to defend what he's saying? Have you? Every time. He's having to defend to the world the people that may be watching me up on this camera right now or they may watch me later this week. Sometimes we have to defend what we're saying. We have to make sure that what we say is sincere and genuine and not just trying to tell a story or make people mad 
because the ministry will make people mad. You don't think so? Boy, can I tell you stories. So let me ask you this. How does one, how would you prove yourself to be genuine in what you do, in what you say to people? How do you prove yourself to be sincere like Paul was in 2 Corinthians? How do you prove yourself? Now, guys, you've got to remember I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, so if you want to shout out, go right ahead. How do you prove yourself? Somebody tell me. How do you prove yourself to be the Christian that you are? By the work you do? By love? What else? Speaking the truth? Is that what you said? What else? What's relationship? How many of you are proving yourself? (laughs) Come on, let's be truthful this morning. How do we prove ourselves? Because, guys, that's who we are. Huh? It all falls short. By the decisions we make. What is that? Tell it to me. Oh, don't be, don't be quoting scripture to me. <laughs> say that to us one more time. Say it a little louder. Okay, say it a little louder. Do it again. Okay, but say it a little. Say it again. You and I need to talk after the service. Oh, my goodness. That's in red letters? (laughs) Uh, How are you proving yourself? Hmm. Well, let's just go on. Now, for us to be genuine in our ministry and for us to be able to approach people, the only way that we're going to know to be genuine And to be disciples is we have to know who we are in Christ. If you do not know who you are, you cannot be genuine in your ministry. But Mark, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. Every person in here is in the ministry. But Mark, I just work and I just... You're in the ministry every stinking day. You are. Because somebody is watching you. I always feel like somebody's watching me. That song was right. How many of you remember that song? (laughs) I didn't know if anybody remember that or not. Because somebody's always watching you, folks. Somebody's always watching what you do. So does that mean that if you're not perfect in everything you do, what kind of ministry do you have? Verse 14, it said, For the love of Christ compels us. What does the word compel mean? Anybody just shout it out. What does that word compel mean? 
Shout it out. Don't just go. Driving force. Pushes. Ooh. Now you guys are getting after it. Whip this. To compel means that Christ has to control what we say and what we do. That's how Christ compels us. Christ controls what we say and what we do to people. But do you know that Christ cannot compel us if the flesh leads us? You cannot be compelled by the Spirit of God if you are living in the flesh. Now, is there anybody in here that doesn't live in the flesh every now and then? Vista? We all. <laughs> I hear this going on up here in the front row. Is that you? Okay. <laughs> Are you amen in me or old me in me? Okay. You see, if Christ doesn't compel, if the Holy Spirit doesn't compel what we say to people and we do it in the flesh, we're probably going to be getting it wrong. Most likely? I think I've got it wrong a few times. You want to come up here and preach a minute? I think I've had it wrong a couple of times in the past 30 years. As a matter of fact, I've had more church people mad at me than otherwise. Carrie, have you ever been mad at me? Don't answer that. (laughs) Okay, here it is, guys. Let me just, Carrie told you, I just put it out there, okay? Church people can be some of the meanest people in the world, or they can be some of the nicest people in the world. I didn't mean that the mean people are over here and the nice people are over here either. (laughs) Well, now that I look... Church church people can be some of the meanest people. You see, guys, we're not supposed to be going to open some eyes, going to open some ears this morning. We're not supposed to be telling people how to live. We're supposed to be showing people how to live. Because if we try to tell people how to live, we usually do it in condemnation. Oh, man. Because conviction and condemnation are two different things, you see. Because the world will convict. We will condemn. So Christ compels us. Christ controls what we... Give Christ control. Let me tell you, when you go witness to somebody, say, Lord, I give you my mouth. Lord, I give you my ears. Lord, I give you my eyes before I ever say, do, or see anything. Because if I operate in the flesh, I'm probably going to do it wrong. Because, guys, everybody in here operates in the flesh. There is not one person in here that operates in the Spirit 100% of the time. If you say you are, you're lying. Because, Because we are all human. And we all make mistakes. But let me tell you, when we give Christ, when we let Christ, when we allow Christ to compel us in the words and the things we do, we make less, watch, 
we make less and less mistakes. Now, I said something this morning, and Jamie nearly threw me out of the class. But I'm going to say it again. Just kidding. The biggest enemy of any church is dissension. And when a church begins to grow like this one, guess what comes in? Because that's how the devil works. When a church begins to grow and people begin to come together, dissension comes into the church. Well, Mark, not this church. Yes, this church too. This church is not, I mean, this is where the devil works because he doesn't want it to grow. So what is dissension? Somebody tell me. Division? That's good. Say it again. I don't know where you come from, but <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, gossip? Since when does a church gossip? Huh? That is dissension. Yes, it is. When things begin to happen in a church and we begin to grow, the devil comes in and he begins to talk to people in their mind and they say, this person is against you. Pastor Kate is against you. So-and-so's against you. It's time for you to lead the church because somebody's not agreeing with you. Guys, if you agree with Kate 100% of the time, there's something wrong with you. Clap for me, buddy. Oh, I thought he's not even paying attention to you. You, you are never... You're, I'm just, you know, let, let me just... You're never going to agree with Kate all the time. I don't agree with Kate all the time. Sometimes I'd like to get the paddle out and whoop him. No, really. Dylan, too. We're just not going to agree all the time, folks. But that's not what church is about. We don't have to agree all the time. Because we're people. Hmm. That's not how church works. A church is people. People are imperfect. Imperfect people, even with imperfect people, God can work. Look in the Bible. Okay, let's go on. Wow, I got pretty far. I'm going to turn the page. How many of you realize that some of the most difficult people to reach can turn out to be the greatest ministers that you've ever seen. Huh? Some of the most difficult people. But those are the people that sometimes we give up on because they're so dang difficult. And they're so hard to talk to. And they just, it just, it takes too much time. And so we give up on them because we just ain't got time for that. Give it to me now. And so those people that God has called, we just give up on them. When some of them are the, just the most awesome ministers, I'm, all ministers are great, but I'm talking about the people that just get in there and they can reach those people that are so difficult to reach. How many, you all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Because you see, God 
didn't die. Jesus didn't die for the rich. He didn't die for the, just the good looking. He didn't die for those that are easy to get along with. He didn't die for just those. He died for even the hard ones. And those are the ones that sometimes they're so hard to mess with, y'all. But those are the ones that God has called. And so we've got to remember as a church, okay, somebody tell me what the word reconciled means. To bring together. Anybody else? Forgiveness. You've got to have something over here. <laughs> Slap him a little bit. Get him going. <laughs> Restoration. Is that what you said? Okay, you don't need to say anything. She did it for you. <laughs> to bring back a relationship is to reconcile. He has given you the ministry of... Everybody say, I've got... The ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, sing it out. That's who we are. That's who we are. We can restore. We can bring back relationship because Jesus did it for us. See, he reconciled you back to himself by what he did, not what you did. There's, there's, there's actually nothing you can do good enough to make God love you more right now. God does not love you more because you give more in the offering. He doesn't love you more because you sit on the front row. Sorry, but He doesn't. God doesn't love you more because you're in church every Sunday, even though that's probably where you need to be. God doesn't love you more because you're better looking. God loves you because He reconciled. He brought the relationship back to you through His Son, and therefore that's who you is. That's who you are right now. You can't change that because God did it for you through His Son. And if we never, if we just can't get to the point to where we know that what Jesus has done for us is stronger than anything else in the world. Reconciliation is stronger than any addiction that you will ever have. The relationship that He's given you is stronger than anything that you can ever do. Because that's who He is. And that's who He made me to be. That's who He made you to be. Amen? All right. Let's go on. We're almost done. How many of you realize that we will never reach anybody? By trying to change them. Amen. I see that hand. Are you agreeing with me? Okay. We'll never reach the world by trying to change the world. We reach the world by, trying, by showing God's love to the world. 
If we don't know God's love, we cannot show it to the world. I was convinced a long time ago that most churches do not know how to show God's love. They don't. I would say that 90% of the believers out there do not know what God's love is. And it's bothered me for years now. I've been out of the pastoring, the pastoral ministry for how many years now? Three or four? And it still bothers me in the fact that churches still can't get to the point to where they can actually teach God's love to the congregation. And I say, what is going on? What do we need to do different to really know God's love? For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now think about that. How many of you are in Christ this morning? I mean, how many of you actually know that you are in Christ? How do you know that? Somebody shout it out. How do you know? How do you know? Say that again. You feel loved? Anybody else? How do you know you're in Christ? Who said that? Because what said so? And you believe that. Why do you believe that? Because it says so. And it wor- how does it work for you? Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that sometimes what God wants you to do, you don't want to do? But I just go ahead and do it. Didn't Paul say that? It's just the things that I want to do, you don't want me to do. And the things that you want me to do, I don't want to do. And Paul just gripes and gripes and gripes about it, you know. Mm. So we know because the Word says that's who we are. And we believe God's Word and therefore that's who we are then everywhere we go, if we believe God's Word, and that's who we are, then that's what people should know. Even though I'm not perfect, and even though I don't say everything correctly, and even even though I don't do everything right, people are going to know who I am. People are going to know. Noni, people are going to know you. Just because, did I say that right? Noni, people know you. Because of who you are. They will know you when you go somewhere. Because that's who you are. Is Nani perfect? You better be careful right now. (laughs) He went. No, she's not. She's not perfect. But people will know who you are. Nani won't do everything right. People still know who she is. And, and she will reach people through that. Is Vista perfect? I'll tell you right now, no. Known her for a long time. But people will know who Vista is. And therefore, Vista will reach the people that God has called her to. Amen? Is Jody perfect? He thinks he is. No, Jody's not perfect. But people know who he I know who Jody is. He's grown up right in front of me. 
People know who he is. And therefore, he will reach the people at work that God has called him to. Because that's who we are. And we can't forget who we are. Because that's who God made us. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a brand new creation. We'll just, we'll just end saying that here in a minute, okay? So we know what reconciliation is. Lastly, what is an ambassador? Because it says that's what we are. Now who... Okay, if you're an ambassador and you don't know what it is, what is an ambassador? Tim, give me a good definition of ambassador. A representative. Anybody else? The sent one. Okay, anybody else? A what? A stand-in for what? Okay, anybody else? A me- Did you say messenger? Who was that? Oh, there you are. Messenger. Is that what you said? Okay. Let me tell you the definition that I got. A person who promotes and represents a specific thing or activity. A person who promotes. Are you promoting the gospel because that's what God has called you as an ambassador? That's what an ambassador is. Let's see if Greta is an ambassador to Christ. Yeah, that's you. Stand up for me. Everybody, everybody wave at Greta. I have seen this girl grow up. She was just a little bitty thing. Now, Greta, if you are an ambassador to Christ, that you are an ambassador to Christ at school, uh, color guard, did I get that right? You in color guard still? Okay, well, anyway. Everywhere you go, you are an ambassador. Right, Mom? Now, does Greta, look at Greta and tell me, does Greta do everything right? If I had her hair, I would just be awesome. (laughs) Does Greta do everything right? No. Mom's saying no. (laughs) But who is Greta? And a righteousness, the righteousness of you. Let me just just tell you right now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are an ambassador. God doesn't expect you to do everything right, but he he could just work right through you, girl. All right, go ahead and sit down. I've embarrassed you enough. She's awesome. I have. I've watched her grow up. So an ambassador is a person who promotes and represents. Are you, let me ask you, are you an ambassador to God's kingdom? Well, let me answer that for you. Yes, you are. Because God has called you as an ambassador because you are born again. But Mark, I don't feel like I'm... You are an ambassador. But Mark, I just not really... You are an ambassador. You are one who promotes a specific thing. God's the most important thing. I don't care whatever this church does. And all the stuff we're doing, the most important thing that this church will ever do is reach the lost. That's what we are called to do. Now we're going to end with one verse. And I want you guys to look at this real close because we know we have been reconciled. We know we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We know we are ambassadors. Now what are we going to do with who we are? Can you bring that last verse up in, I believe it's Matthew. Okay, watch me. Watch this now. This is not, most people don't like to use this verse. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. 
Everybody say all the world. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Now when he's talking about the end, he's talking about this dispensation, which the one we are living in right now. Then the end will come. What has to happen for the end to come, for the, or for the rapture to come? What has to happen? Another red moon? Another blue moon? Another whatever? What has to happen, y'all? There you go. The gospel is simple. We cannot make it hard. Well, yes, we can. (laughs) We should not make it hard. But guess what? We do. We think we have to let everybody know everything. We think we have to let everybody know all that we know. And really, nobody cares everything that you know. Really. (laughs) But we must see the gospel all over the world before Christ can come back. That is as simple as it gets right there, folks. Quit looking at the moons. Quit looking at what happens. Well, don't quit looking, but stop looking to what happens overseas. Stop looking at all those things. Yes, they are signs to come, but the end will not come until the church who has been reconciled, the ambassadors to God, the righteousness of God in Christ, reach the world with the gospel. So I want you guys to tell me right now what is the most important thing a church will do. And how do we do that? Okay, if you don't want Jesus to come back, well, let's just not do this. Let's just go through more hell here on earth because we're, get, we're headed that way. Guys, how many of you want to go to heaven? Because that's, that is your, I mean, okay, half of you do. That's good. <laughs> Kate, if you're watching this, you've got some work to do. <laughs> Guys, we want Christ to come back. We do. We're tired. We're sick and tired of some of this stuff going on. I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to have to leave, but, but hey, I want to leave. I'm ready to go. I mean, whatever I can do, I'm going to do, but guys, I'm ready to go. Don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good, but I'm ready to go. In order to do this, we must reach the world. Missions are the number one thing that is important to every church. We can't get out of that because if we can do everything else but what we're called to do, all we're doing is spinning our wheels. Missions is the most important thing. That's to the schools, Greta. That's to Greta's school. That's to uh, family, work, missions. is everything outside of this building. This building is just to prepare you to go out and do what you're called to do. I don't care how involved you are in here. If you're not involved out there, you're truly not doing what God's called you to do. Stepping on toes. 
We must realize that everything outside these walls is the most important thing that this church will ever do. And folks, I'm telling you right now, there's probably 80% of the churches out there that are not doing what they're called to do. And we simply do not have time to do that. We have been called outside, and that's what we need. We need to be in Mexico. We need to be in the Philippines. We need to be in the schools. We need to be in families. We need to be everywhere outside the building. And we must be prepared to do so, and we must know who we are. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.